Come on, why don't we give Jesus a hand this morning? And you can... Thank you, Christiane. What a great thought. What a great scripture. Great. I love the book of Ephesians. I read it very regularly. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning, um, and it's good to have some visitors here with us. You see uh, some guys from um, Modbury here, Revival City Modbury. Got Aidan and Leah at the back. Hey, guys. Well, yep, there you go. There's a big welcome from Haley, And we've got the crisps at the back there. Say hi, Heidi. Harry, how are you? Anyway, nice to see you guys. It's good to have fresh faces, um, and it's great to be with you. Uh, who, who, got, who got a bit of flooding um, yesterday afternoon? Who's got the power out? Um, Shale is probably got it the worst by the sounds of it. His house is floating down the creek, and it's not meant to, Pastor Keith. It's not like your house. No, no. Um, you know what, I just want to pray for, if, you, if you're affected by, by this in any way, I just want to pray for you. I want to pray that God would um, intervene, that red tape would get cut through and insurance would come and all work out. So why don't you, if that's you, why don't you lift your hands and, and why don't we just close our eyes and let's, let's begin to pray. Holy Spirit, for every person in this family that was affected uh, by this rain and by this storm, and we pray, Lord God, that you would uh, cut through the red tape that the insurance would come through quickly, that they would pay above and beyond what is expected, Lord, and that people would walk away better off because of this, Lord God. We know that you make all things work together for the good of those who trust in you, Lord God. So we ask for shale, we ask for the feelings, we ask for anyone else that has been impacted by this. We ask for your mighty hand to be strong for them, Lord God, that you would bring uh, immediate um, um, breakthrough in that insu- with the insurance companies, that the, the work that needs to be get done would be done quickly and they'll be able to move on with their lives and live in a place that is nice and dry and warm. And we ask that in Jesus' name and everyone said together, Amen, 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 Amen. Fantastic. Well, the title of my message this morning uh, Aaron, and for anyone else taking notes, is Faith Like Caleb. And my scripture comes from Numbers chapter 13, starting in verse 21. So where we are at the moment in Numbers 13, um, if you've seen the movie Prince of Egypt, you'd know what would have happened. Uh, they've gone and they've left Egypt, the, the Israelite nation, uh, that group of people, that family. They've had the plagues. They've had the, the frogs and the, and the river of blood. They've had the um, Passover. They've gone through and they've been um, gone through the, the Red Sea. And, and there they are. They're, they're right. They've gone through the desert. They've got the tablets from heaven. And there they are right at the edge of the promised land. And, Mo, and God tells Moses to send some spies in to, to spy out the land before they invade and take over the promised land. So Numbers 13, 21, it goes like this. It says, So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin, as far as Rehob, near the entrance of Hamath, and they went through the south and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Sheshai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Anak were the giants, um, and that's where Goliath came from. Uh, And then they came to the valley of Eshkol, and there they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes, they carried it between two of them on a pole. They also bought some of the pomegranates and the figs. And the place was called the Valley of Eshkol because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. 
Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back the word to them and to all of the congregation and they showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. If you stop there, that's fantastic. You know, this is a dream that Abraham had that God told Abraham that this will be your land, this will be what we give to your descendants and those that come after you. And for 400 years, the Israelite family, this group of people that had grown into a nation, all they'd heard about was the promised land. All they'd heard about was this land flowing with milk and honey. Two of my favourite things, milk and honey. Uh, you know, they'd, all they'd heard about... Day after day as they're making bricks and they're in slave labor, don't you know we've got a promised land waiting for us? Don't you know that there's something better than this? There's something waiting for us. And so this promised land, they go through and it is everything that they were told it was. It truly was a land flowing with milk and honey. But then the spies, they went on to say this, Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwelled in the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb, who was one of the spies, quieted the people before Moses and said, Let's go up at once and take possession, for we are able to overcome it. So the spies had been out. There's 12 spies representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And two, two of them, 10, we know their names, but no one remembers it. But two of them are Joshua and Caleb. Joshua is the one that goes on and becomes Moses' apprentice and ends up taking over the leadership of that country of Israel. Uh, but Caleb, um, he's just a guy from his tribe. He's just an ordinary guy. He's nothing special. He's not royalty. He's not... Uh, ordained as the next leader of the land. And Joshua and Caleb were part of the 10, 12 spies that went throughout. Joshua and Caleb, they were with the spies when they saw the, the grapes and they saw the figs and the pomegranates and, and the dairy milk chocolate factory that was flowing in the land and all of the great things that were there. They all saw the same things, but they both came back with different reports. Here they are sitting on the edge of the promised land that they'd been uh, waiting for for hundreds of years. They'd been telling stories from generation to generation about this promised land and about how good it's going to be and how great it's going to be. And here they are sitting at the edge of the promised land and they decide not to go in. They say that the, the giants are there and the people are too strong and there's fortified walls and there's too many obstacles. And I'm reading this and I'm thinking... Haven't you just seen what God did for you in Egypt? You know, haven't you seen the, the river turn to blood? Haven't you seen the frogs and the, the gnats and the, and the firstborn son? Have you not seen the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? Have you not seen the manna and the quail? Have you not seen the great works that God has done already to free you from slavery, to free you from the strongest nation in the world at that time? And here they are and they're saying, this thing that we've heard about for hundreds of years, we just can't do it. We can't go up. They're stronger than we are. There's so many obstacles. There's thing after thing that's going to stop this from happening. Ten spies, 
versus the two spies. A good report versus a bad report. And the difference is faith. You see, the difference between Caleb and Joshua and the ten spies was that the ten spies thought, we can't do this. And Joshua and Caleb were probably thinking, yeah, you're right, we can't do it. But God is strong. God is mighty. God is the one who set us free from, the ca- from captivity. God is the one who parted the sea and allowed us to walk through. God is the one who destroyed the Egyptian army. And if God is for us, who can be against us? In one group, group they had a false belief in their own strength and ability. And in the other group, it said, I've got faith in God's strength and God's ability. You see, they didn't need Moses' faith. They didn't need the faith of the generations that had gone before them. They didn't need the faith of Abraham. They needed to have their own faith. They needed their own word from God. They needed their own vision for what God wanted to do and what God wanted to lead them in. You see, they still had the mindset of a slave. They still had that mindset of 400 years of slavery. They still had all these... they couldn't think for themselves. They couldn't have their own faith because for so long, they'd, all they'd known was what they were told to say, what they were told to think. They needed to get their own faith and they needed to get their own word from God about their lives. You and I need to get a word from God for our lives. You know, I remember when I was 19 and um, you'll hear me talk about this all the time, but there was a, 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 a Aboriginal outreach convention that was in Sejuna that my dad had put on. Um, and Max Wilcher was the guest speaker, and he travelled down. And I remember in that meeting, that was where, you know, I'd grown up a Christian, but that was where I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And I remember lying on the floor, passed out um, under the power of God, and I felt that call to ministry. You know, I'd heard other people say it over my life, but that's when God spoke to me clearly that I had a call to ministry. Now, that doesn't happen for me in every area of my life. You know, it's not every day that I hear the voice of God and I get a word from God about what's going to happen today. But there are significant milestones in my life where I've had a word from God. You know, in your life, you need a word from God, but you've also got the word of God uh, right there. Hopefully you brought it today or you've got it on your phone and you've got the word of God. You might not have a word from God that, that specifically speaks to you and says, this is what's going to happen and this is what you need to do. But you've got the word of God, which is full of promises, which is full of uh, uh, God's plans for your life. It's full of everything for you. You may not get that specific word, but his word is full of promises. His promise is that you will have peace. When you're suffering from anxiety and depression and you're not sure about what's going to happen, then you know that God tells you in Philippians 4 verse 6, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done and then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. If you're you're looking for hope, you've been going around in circles and you don't know what's going on and you don't know where your life is leading. We know that Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Romans 8, 28. We know that God works all things together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purposes. If you're feeling like you're under attack and that you can't just get out from under whatever is going on in your life, whether it's spiritual or physical or emotional, we know that Psalm 91 says that those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow 
of the Almighty. The Word of God is full of promises that we need to stand on in our own lives. You may have had a word from God and that's fantastic. I got one at that point and that is fan- and I've stood on that all my life. But if you haven't had one, then the Word of God is full of promises that you can stand on over your life. You see, the children of Israel clung to that promised land, but only one person from that generation made it to actually possess the land that he was promised. It was only Caleb from that generation and Joshua as the leader of the army that went through and actually laid possession of that promised land. It was only Caleb that laid in faith into the things that God had promised him. And I want to tell you this morning, I want to have a faith like Caleb. This morning, we're going to look at four keys to having a faith like Caleb. Firstly, we need a faith that sees. The 12 spies, they went into the same promised land. They saw the same things. They saw the same amazing fruit. They saw the same bakeries. They saw all of the goodness of the land that Dino Keith regularly shares with us about all the vanilla slices. All right, Keith, we get it. You love vanilla slices, mate. Don't, he doesn't bring, has, any, has Dino Keith ever bought anyone back a vanilla slice? No. Yeah, that's his next thing. Bring him back. The 12 spies all went, they all saw the same thing. They saw the same land. They saw the same great things. They saw the same uh, fortified cities. They saw the same giants. They saw the same things, but they saw things differently. Where 10 spies say the people in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and we saw the descendants of Anak there. Joshua and Caleb said, let's go up at once and take possession. You know, sometimes... We have a way of looking at life and just seeing the obstacles. Sometimes the obstacles are actually an opportunity for God to move in your life. You know, I used to work at um, World Vision in the state office in Adelaide, um, you know, with the sponsor children and everything. So for four years I worked there and I was uh, overseeing the office and uh, all the runnings of that office. And I worked with a girl who, I, who would get and buy her lunch like all the time. Like she'd buy her lunch like every day of the week. Um, buy it, bought. She bought her lunch. Sorry, Pastor Wendy. And she'd come in and it'd be something different every time. It'd be a uh, pad thai. You know, when you work in the city, the options are endless. But without fail, every time I'd look at it and I'd, my mouth would be salivating um, because I bought a Vegemite sandwich from home. Um, and I'd say, man, that looks amazing. And she goes, oh, it's all right. It could do with a bit more flavour. Every single time, it became that I could predict it. Every time, she just was able to complain about everything. And that's a hallmark of this person's life, that they complain about everything. They complain about the house that they're in or, or, or the family that they have or the job that they have. But every obstacle is actually an opportunity from God to stretch your faith. We need a faith that sees beyond the obstacles and sees them as an opportunity. The 12 spies all saw the goodness of the land. They all saw the same giants. But instead of seeing them as obstacles, Caleb chose to see them as an opportunity for God to move. We look at the weaknesses in our lives. We look at the things that keep on coming up against us as, as, as ways of us saying that God's favour isn't with us. You know, I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 
when he's talking about the thorn in his flesh, which we don't know what it is. But whatever it is, we know that it was annoying enough for him to write about it in his letter to the Corinthians. And he says that God told him, after repeatedly asking for this thorn to be taken away, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Your weakness, your obstacles, the things that you can't just get over, the, the sin that you just can't, can't get rid of in your life, the, the arguments that you keep having, the same uh, tree that you seem to keep going around and around, they're not obstacles. They're actually an opportunity for God's strength to be made perfect in your life. It's an opportunity for you to say, this was really annoying, but God. This was something that actually was a real thorn in my side, but the grace of God carried me through it. You know, faith isn't faith without a test. If there's no test in your life, then do you really need to have faith? When the test comes, don't see it as a, oh my goodness, my life is falling apart, but see it as an opportunity for God to move powerfully in your life. You know, that large winter electricity bill comes in. I've had that. It's an opportunity for God to be your provider. That bad doctor's report, it's an opportunity for God to be your healer. When anxiety and depression seems to swamp and to, and to flood around our mind and that fog falls on us, it's an opportunity for God to be your peace. Your obstacle is God's opportunity. Four keys to having a faith like Caleb. You need a faith that sees and you also need a faith that speaks. So often the battle is fought and won in our mind and what we speak will be the record that we hear in our mind. We need to choose to speak life. We need to choose to speak faith. We need to choose to speak hope every single day over our lives and over the people around us. You know, there's a, a place near home where we, where, where we live um, in the northeast. It's called Latitude. Does anyone know Latitude? You know what I'm talking It's like bounce, like, <clears throat> like one of those big trampoline places. The kids love it. They've got those foam pits you can jump in. I jumped in, um, I jumped in, Luke, and uh, into one of the big airbags, and and I got stuck, uh, it's, and I lost my phone. It was a nightmare. Those places aren't meant for adults, but they have this what they call it the sky rail, and it's and it's a big obstacle course that's hanging from the ceiling about ten, one hundred meters, a kilometer in in the sky, and Amelia, my youngest, um, who um, She's actually, she actually fainted, um, in all seriousness, about half an hour ago. So Sarah's just stuck with her to the hospital, if, if you're wondering where they are. Um, I feel funny telling a funny story about her now, but why don't we, let's just pray. Can we pray for her? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for your healing power. And right now, as Sarah and Amelia are in the hospital, we pray, Lord God, that you move in power, that the doctors would be able to see right uh, straight into what's going on and be able to give a good report. We ask, Holy Spirit, that she would be healed, that she'd be whole, and that she'd be back here being noisy and crazy like she is uh, all the time. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would cut through any red tape, that you'd get them seen immediately, that she'd pick up, that she'd be full of energy, and that she'd be full of life. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know why she just fainted out in the foyer. Um, so anyway... There's my story. So anyway, I'm at Latitude. They've got the sky rail hanging from the ceiling. 
and you have to you get harnessed in, and then you walk around this obstacle course. And Amelia really wanted to go, and I'm petrified of heights. I'm pe- I'm absolutely petrified of heights. I'm getting a little bit nervous just standing up here, Pastor Keith. Um, so. Uh, she comes over and Sarah and I are sitting together having a coffee because the reason you go to these places is that they, kids can go off and run and, and, and I can have a coffee. Um, so Amelia comes over and says, I want to go on the sky rail. Can you go with me? And Sarah says, no, but Dad will. Um, so thanks, thanks, babe. So anyway, we went up and we got strapped in and we got harnessed in and, and we started walking around and my knees are literally knocking together. I'm shaking like I'm petrified. I'm pe- like, I'm almost crying. This is awful. Um, and as we're walking around, it's like Amelia was in front of me and I was just saying, come on, you can do it. Be strong. Be courageous. God won't let anything happen to you. You've got a call. You've got a destiny. You've got a purpose. You know, that's what I was saying over myself as I was walking around the sky rail. But it was also for Amelia's benefit as well because um, I didn't want to be walking around going, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. <clears throat> Because the words that we use, the language that we use, what we say is infectious. The words that we say will infect our own heart and our own spirit, but they'll infect everyone else around you. We need to choose to speak life. You know, the words that we use infects the spirit of everyone around us, and we can choose to infect ourselves and everyone around us with either faith or with fear. You know, when you go into your workplace, when you go into your job, are you choosing to speak life and hope and peace? Or are you walking in and, and helping to contribute to an atmosphere of fear? You know, when you're in your school or your university or TAFE or whatever area of life that you go in, maybe even in your family, we need to speak life and hope. We need to speak over our children, speak our life and hope that God has a future for them, that God has a plan for them, that God's got great things in store with them for them. You know, we can't be saying, oh, you know, just wait until you finish school. Life will hit you. you got bills, you know. Sometimes people can be so depressing. Life is awesome. And tell your kids that. Have fun with your kids. Have fun with your wife and your husband. Like, life is good. And speak life and hope into your family. Let your children grow up pumped full of faith, pumped full of hope, believing that God's going to come through in every situation that they have. You know, what's the alternative? That our kids walk around miserable and full of fear? Come on, let's speak life into our workplace, into our, into our communities, whatever sphere of life that you're in. Ten of the spies were able to infect a nation, an entire nation, with fear. That entire nation of millions of people who had been living on hope and had been living on faith for this entire time, ten people were able to turn that entire nation and not one of them got to see the promised land. You know, it took Caleb and Joshua 40 years as they went around the wilderness to go around to the entire population and replace that fear with faith. You know, I can imagine as Caleb's walking around and all the kids are sitting down and they're chatting and he just sits down as an older man and he says, Kids, let me tell you about the promised land. I've seen it. Man, it is a truly a land flowing with milk and honey. It truly does have, you should have seen the size of the grapes. You should have seen the pomegranates and the figs. You should have seen the apples. They were all pink ladies, not a Granny Smith in sight. Not a red delicious at all. You know, he could have, he could have chosen to go around and said to them, oh man, 
there's giants there. It is big. It's tough. It's going to be difficult. Oh, I don't know if we're ever going to get there. You know, Caleb could have chosen to put apathy and fear into people, but I, I can picture him walking around every time he gets to a different group of people. Let me tell you. Man, let me tell you about what I saw when we left Egypt. Let me tell you about how God destroyed the Egyptian army. Let me tell you about how he turned that river to blood. You know, so often we can think about all the obstacles that are coming about, but we need to speak life and we need to speak faith. I remember I've, I met with um, Pastor Danny Guglamucci many years ago. Does anyone know Pastor Danny? It was at Edge Church now. He's um, and Life Church in Adelaide and and I met with him and we had breakfast together and, and it's not like Pastor Danny and I are close or anything, but I just happened to have the opportunity to have breakfast with him and, and I just walked away feeling like a million bucks. Honestly, man, that man knows how to encourage you. Uh, I was just sharing about some of my thoughts and some of my struggles and he's like, you're an amazing man of God. You're called to, to ministry. You're called to great things. And he just really reaffirmed me and built me up. And I went away and I, I met another pastor um, that afternoon, who, uh, who again is an influential pastor, and I just said to him, "Oh, this is what Pastor Danny said to me. He said, I'm called to full time ministry. I'm called to organisational leadership." He was just so awesome and encouraging. And the guy goes, "Oh, he doesn't know you like I do. <laughs> the best you'll ever do is preach, maybe every now and then, and that's it." Oh man. That wasn't enough to dampen my spirit, but I can tell you who I'd rather be in that scenario. Every time, I want to be the one that speaks faith. I want to be the one that infects and influences people, our friends, our work colleagues, our family, cutting out that negative vocabulary, cutting out that speech that brings people down and filling people with courage, filling them with faith that they can do it. That if God said it, he will come through. Four keys to having faith like Caleb. You need a faith that sees, a faith that speaks, and number three, you need a faith that works. You know, James chapter 2 verse 18 says, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, what would someone say about you if the, all they knew was you from your actions? Yeah, they may not know what you say or what you do in your private time, but what would your co-workers say about you? Is your faith known by your works? Do you walk the talk? Do you walk what God has placed in your life? You know, there is a difference between just believing something and having faith. As James says, you believe that there is one God and you do well. Even the demons believe that and they tremble. You know, don't you know that faith without works is dead? You know, for many years, I felt a call to ministry. I was, 19, I was 19 years old when I felt that call. I went away and I studied at Bible college for a couple of years, um, or as they call it, bridal college. I uh, met Sarah. We got married. And, uh, you know, I, I expected to walk out of Bible college and that everyone would know who I was and that people would be saying, Phil, come work at this church. Phil, come over here. Be in this church. You know, like... I just expected I'd sort of be like on the red carpet and people would be calling out my name because they'd heard how amazing I was. You know, I worked for four years straight out of Bible college in a call centre. Then I worked for four years at World Vision. Then I worked for four years at schools ministry group. You know, it was over a decade before I actually walked in to the fulfilment of the promise that God had given me. But all that time, 
I wasn't just sitting on my hands. I wasn't just sitting there idly by. You know, all that time I was running life groups. I was leading teams. I was served in kids ministry. I kept studying and I kept praying and believing because faith without works is dead. You see, they say that you can't steer a parked car. You know, a car that is parked and is not going anywhere, you can't, you can't steer it. You can't direct it anywhere because it's not going anywhere. The car has to be in forward motion for you to be able to be directed and to be able to be steered. We need to be a people that are constantly in forward motion. We need to be constantly be walking towards that call of God that's on our life. If, if, if peace is something that God has promised you, we need to walk in peace. We need to be someone that says, I'm going to do all that I can to live in peace. I'm going to do what God's Word says. I'm going to remain in Christ. I'm going to speak peace over my life. You know, if God's called you to walk in joy and hope, I'm going to walk in those things. If God has called you to ministry or God's called you to a certain career path, then we don't sit on our hands and just wait for it to happen. We keep taking steps towards the goal that God has put in our heart. You know, if God's called you to be a businessman or to have creative ideas that bring wealth, then keep moving towards that goal. Don't just sit and wait. Don't just park yourself. Don't just wait for God to do it all for you because God responds to our faith. God responds when we step out. You know, Peter didn't walk on water until he'd stepped out of the boat. Moses didn't part the sea until he raised his staff. David didn't kill Goliath until he put a stone in his sling and ran towards him. When we move, God moves. What step do you need to take? What move do you need to make today in your family, in your career, in your life, in your finances? What is the step that you need to take? Your finances might be a mess. Well, maybe the first step today is to see someone that could maybe help you or to cut your spending back in a certain area. Your relationship might be an area. As a husband, your marriage might be in trouble. What's the first thing that you need to do? Go back to the Word of God and love your wife as Christ loved the church and pick up your cross, deny yourself and serve her. What is, the, what is it that you need to do today, that step that you need to do? And I promise you this, that as you take that step, God will step in. Where there is impossibilities in the natural, He will come and make a way. He will bring the impossible to pass. I'm not talking about a positive theology. I'm not talking about uh, doing a positive works because positivity is great. I'm doing it because we serve a God who is the King of Kings. I'm doing it because I believe that we serve God the provider, that we serve God the healer, that we serve God the peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. And as you step out in a step of faith, He responds to your faith. He will bring the breakthrough, but you need to take the first step. Four keys to having faith like Caleb. You need a faith that sees, a faith that speaks, and finally, a faith that persists. If I can get... Our, our friend on the uh, drums slash uh, keyboard. That's an amazing setup. Have you seen this? So we've got here, we've got on the top half, we've got keyboards. And then down here, we've got drums. That's amazing. How do you do both at the same time? How many, how many instruments can we get played at once next week? Aaron? What can you do? No. Five, okay. <laughs> 
We need a faith that persists. If you read on uh, the story, Numbers goes on and, and the story of that Israelite nation. So for 40 years, they wander around the wilderness, round and around, lap after lap, 40 years lapping around the wilderness. And finally, Caleb and Joshua and the rest of that Israelite army get to walk in and conquer the promised land. And this is Caleb talking in Joshua chapter 14, verse 10. So this is after they've lapped around the wilderness for 40 years, after they've started the process, they've conquered Jericho. And then Caleb says this, Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well, as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I am 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts we found the descendants of Anak living there in great walled towns. But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out just as the Lord said. An 85-year-old man, he's there and he's looking at what people, what, what Jewish historians would say was the hardest place to conquer out of all the promised land. The fortified cities, the giants were there. He's an 85-year-old man. And he's saying, give it to me because if the Lord is with me, who can be against me? Now, what is your fight today? You know, you've got a billion reasons to give up. You've got a billion reasons to think that God isn't going to be my breakthrough. But this morning, I want to tell you that if God is for you, who can be against you? All you need to do is to keep taking that one step. Keep persisting. Keep moving forward. Every day, get out of bed. Put your clothes on and get ready for the day. Every day, open your Bible. Seek God's face. Every day, choose to speak life into your family, into your, into your wife or husband. Every day, choose to see that obstacle as an opportunity for God to move. Caleb, for 45 years, dreamt about that promised land. And he had so many reasons to give up. Every natural thing was against him. But he chose to keep moving forward, to keep believing, to keep speaking life because he knew that if God is for him, who can be against him? If the Lord is with you, you have life in your bones, you have blood in your veins, then God will do what he said he will do. If there's breath in your lungs, there's still land to be taken. We need to continue to fight. Fight for our marriages. Fight for your children. Fight for your workplace. Fight for this church. Choose to stand every day and fight. Choose to stand every day, no matter the obstacle, and say, I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak peace. I'm going to see the best in others. I'm going to see that obstacle as an opportunity for God to move. Would you stand with me today in the presence of God? I don't know who this word was for, but I know it was for me. I know that God's put dreams and desires in your heart. I know that God's given you promises in his word. I know that he's given you a future and a hope. And today I just want to pray over you. You know, 
Sometimes we like to get everyone up the front and lay hands and see God move in that way. But I believe that God will touch you where you're sitting today. Because what you need is you need a supernatural impartation from heaven. You need a word from God. So I'm going to pray for you. And then Luke's going to lead us in worship in whatever song he's going to sing. I'll take his lead on that. But why don't we lift our hands right now? Holy Spirit, why don't you speak to us afresh? Where there are obstacles in people's lives, I pray, Lord God, that you make them opportunities for you to move. Holy Spirit, as we lift our hands to you and we give our family, our friends, our workplaces, won't you come and move, Lord God? We make this affirmation today that we choose to stand. We choose to fight for our families. We choose to fight for our workplaces. We choose to fight in every area of our lives, Lord God. We choose to stand against the plans of the enemy. And Holy Spirit, as we stand, as we take that step, as we speak life, as we speak hope, and as we see everything, Every obstacle has an opportunity. Won't you come and bring your supernatural breakthrough in the name of Jesus? Won't you restore relationships? Won't you strengthen marriages? Won't you bring children home, Lord God? Won't we see this area one to your kingdom in the name of Jesus? So Holy Spirit, we give it all back to you. We choose to stand and say, come Holy Spirit. Won't you move and fight in our place, Lord God? And we ask ask it in the mighty and precious name of Jesus. Let's worship Him this morning.